This is Comictating, the comic book review arm of the Nerdables family of podcasts. Let the nerds take over! Us? Huh? Welcome back, comic fans, to the latest issue of Comictating. I am joined with by my partner, Sebastian, with, by, by my partner, Sebastian, as always. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well on this rainy afternoon. The rain is back. We thought it might have gone away for a while. Second day of spring. Southern California rainstorm. Is this because of that groundhog? We're being punished from... Something. We're being punished for taking it's kind of our, weird our seasonal advice from we small had, mammals. We had so much rain for so long, which is so uncommon. And then it went away, and you're like, okay, yeah, this is what I remember. 70s, 80s, as the East Coast is just getting slammed with snow last week or whatever. And then today, was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot what it was like when it's raining out here. Yeah, even it's, it's, only, been a it's only for two, three days is what it's supposed to be. We shall it's, see. It's been a drizzle mostly by where I live, yeah. so I, have, I don't have too many complaints. Apparently it was pouring back home. but uh, but So that is the perfect weather to read comics by. And, of course, like we do every week, we come to you with some new comic books and give you our thoughts and feelings and musings. Uh, this week we have four books. We have was it two two no actually I think they're all from different companies. Yeah. We got a Valiant book, we've got a Dark Horse book, we've got a Marvel book, and we have an Image book. So we're gonna start with Underwinter, number one from Image Comics, uh, creator writerist writer writerist writerist. That should be writerist should be writer artist. Just make it one word. I like that. Writerist like uh, Ray Fox, a painted watercolory David Mack. Yeah, David Matt. What was the other one you said? Uh, uh, David Keen. Yeah, David Keen too. Um, Interesting book. It's a it's a brand new horror book, but it's incorporating a lot of musical themes to it. It's it was interesting enough. It definitely has that feel of like okay, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of sort of sexual undertones to what's happening to these people. Uh, it's very very explicit, so not for the younger audience if that uh, is your concern. But buy this one for the kids. Yeah, it definitely had me intrigued, especially with the opening sequence. It's got sort of the, I guess the themes would be like the pain of of art in a way and the suffering. And then, of course, we have the people who are looking to investigate what's happening to all the people that are being affected by these bizarre transformations. There's one point where you've got, uh, not only do you have the opening sequence where a guy's talking about sort of the pain of of doing his musical duty but is also being tortured by this very supernatural uh form of torture but then later on in the book you have people who are sort of succumbing to lots of other very much like a like in a horror book and a horror movie uh one girl is brought in because she's starting to bleed ink uh from her eyes and orifices and i can only assume this is not a musical torture but somebody who is probably an artist or a writer so very, very interesting elements to the book, and I read a little bit of... I, it was interesting enough that I looked for an interview that Image had done with the writer talking about Whoa. the influences, and it definitely is sort of the pain in art and how horrible the world can be, but also how beautiful it can be. And if I seem a little vague, it's because the book itself is a little bit vague, especially for the first issue. There's a lot of stuff in here that is is interesting, but it's also the hook, and they're not really giving you a clear indication of who or what or why... Uh, this is being done to people. You see the who for a little bit, but again, they're very much an unnamed entity. They show up in a beautiful sequence where in the black and the white, they're just shrouded in all red. They have blindfolds on. Very, very, very interesting stuff. So I'm 
definitely intrigued enough to check out number two. Especially if you're looking for a bizarre supernatural horror or thriller, uh, this definitely might hook you. So something, something a little bit different, or something very well, not a little bit, I guess. Very, very different. different. Very different. From very straightforward sort of monsters and magic. Underwinter. Yeah, I, I definitely it was one of those. It's books. Interesting title. I have the Underwinter. Yeah, exactly. And I'm trying to figure out exactly what they're trying to do with the title as well. But the art, the, the the line work in it almost looks like crayon. Either crayon or colored pencils, uh, or pastels. Like if somebody's just drawing hard lines with pastels. That's a package. Right yeah, there. but it's a, it's a beautiful book with the watercolor elements. I wonder how much of this was done digitally versus how much this was actually done with pen and paper too. But I gorgeous, gorgeous book and an intriguing enough plot. Yeah, the art seems to vary in, in a couple of different pages where there's definitely a different feel. Yeah, like you said, it's when they get to the. Um, violins as you said sexual violins and i said oh sexual sexual violence you said no violins violins i'm telling you it's violins yes uh, so. it's interesting enough book but yeah definitely not for the younger audience this is for, this is for you adults especially ones who may have felt tortured learning to play instruments as children maybe well, that, you might identify the pain and torture of trying to learn your craft exactly when you're, when you're trying to be musically inclined and forced every day to play the violin or the piano or any sort of any sort of art that yeah. requires uh, arduous amounts of practice. Uh, definitely, well, I think so much of art requires an arduous yes. amount of practice. I think that's one of the the skills of it is something you know. There's some, a natural progression. You know, there's you know people who are artistically talented naturally, but also have to take their time and you know you can't just sit down yes. and quickly do the drawing that looks you know perfectly like a. A human being or or, or anything you're not going like to be a norman so, rockwell in a day yeah it takes at least two days two days for norman Rockwell. three if you really want to nail him you know get that art right on right on the same level maybe a week if you want to go yeah. abstract you want to start painting melted clocks yeah. it's going to take at least a week <laughs> melted clocks so that's underwritten number one again right very very surreal yes rightest ray fox the writer, artist, Folks. the writest. Falks, Falks. It's a uh, uh, yeah. pending. Yeah. Writest. If we could just get one thing, get the one, get the world to understand, yeah. get writest. The writests. The uh, the hockey podcast that that I fill in on, which I'll be filling in on this week, the Puck Podcast. One of the co-hosts, Doug Stolhan, he was at a game with his nephew. Um, and he was explaining some of the things. You know, his nephew was fairly young. He was explaining like some of the the quirks and nuances, and he was talking about a hat trick. He scored three goals in a game. Yeah. And it's called a hat trick. And he said, well, what happens when they score four? What do they call it? His nephew says, what happens if they score four? And he's like, I don't know. They haven't named it yet. What, what do you think they should name it? And he said, they should call it a pants trick. And so they, we, we as an Endeavor group, tried to, to get that out there. And every time there was someone close, we would, we would just have a list of like people who are on the air. All the guys on ESPN, all the guys on FS1, all the guys on THN. And we would put pants trick alert or someone gets a pants trick. And finally, I think the first time it happened, someone mentioned it on the Washington Capitals broadcast. Their color man mentioned a pants trick. We're like, oh, my goodness. But then when FS1 still had its highlight show with uh, Jay Onright and Dan O'Toole, uh, Dan O'Toole used the words pants trick on a national highlight show. So and need, we that's when you needed to put out shirts. Insane. Oh, there is one. Uh, oh, good, our, good. our shirt for a shirt for like last year, the year before had pants trick on it and it was just basically if you don't know what this is it means you're not listening um 
And then uh, Home of the they pants finally trip. got pants on the ice in a New York Islanders game, I think two seasons ago. There was a guy who was able, you know, you throw your hats on the ice for a hat trick. He got a, he brought an extra pair of pants and he threw them on the ice. Nice. For a pants trick in the Islanders game. It was amazing. That's was, when you do hats, you do shirts, yeah. you do buttons. Yeah, you just keep going. Well, there was a, there was a, a, a female sexual aide that made it on the ice once a couple seasons ago, too. There's this great, there's a shot of like the, Is you know, they have in the, a row? That was just somebody threw it out there during a hat trick. There's, you know, there's, they did a static shock or static shot on one of the websites of you know they have the uh the the ice crew the guys and, and girls that come out with the shovels and they pick up all the hats and they basically throw them in a dumpster you know not a dumpster but they throw them in a thing and then they they get donated to charity well there's a shot and you can tell between these two hats is a very phallic ah. female aid on there it was like what <laughs> someone how did you get to the stadium come on uh, so yeah, that's so. Rightist, if Rightist takes off from here, it'll be like two things that have sort there of. There we go. Well, we get shirts. Commercially, yeah, we should get Rightist. The Rightist. I am a Rightist. Um, speaking of writers, not an arter. Not, not, not an arter. A Rightist. A Rightist. You got to write it in order to draw it, right? Um, at least in comics. Hashtag Rightist. Hashtag Rightist. And then the Nerdist is gonna yeah steal come it. after us yeah. uh, for infringing on the ist. Ist. Yes, the, the just like the Fine Brothers when they started uh, doing copyright strikes uh, for people who were doing reaction videos because they claimed to be the sole owner and creator of reaction videos. Can't have anything nice in this world. Nope. That's somebody suing you for it. Speaking of writer and artist, two separate people, we have uh, Rebels, These Free and Independent States, uh, number one, written by Brian Wood, art by Andrew and Moody, Muddy, Muddy, Mutai. M-U-T-T-I. Oh, Muddy yeah. sounds right, doesn't Muddy, it? Muddy, yeah, that, that, that does sound right, and so we apologize in, in apo- advance. Apologize? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so this is a continuation of Brian Wood's Rebels story. He did uh, a story based in the Revolutionary War. Uh, God, that's got to start like two years ago, three years ago. I can't remember if it was 12 issues, 18 issues, something through there, but it was the Revolutionary War. It was the story of... Um, uh, Oh, gosh, what's his... Uh, Seth Abbott, that's what it was. And his time during the Revolutionary War, he was a militiaman fighting against the English. And uh, Wood picked that time period because there's so few fiction that actually deals yeah. with the Revolutionary War. We have so much of the Civil War. We have so much of you know World War One, World War Two, and Vietnam, and, and even the, uh, the, the recent wars in the Middle East. But we don't do a lot of fiction based around the Revolutionary War anymore. And it was a time period that fascinated him. So he... Uh, went to that and it is as historically accurate as it can be he admits at the beginning he's combined some places or he's put people in places that they may not have been um you know in the first one where george washington is in this this militia you know in this camp speaking to this militia there's no record of him being there but there also wasn't a record of where washington was every single day of the war um, which is but it, the spirit was there yeah if you're looking for a series please check out the original series yeah and this does uh stand alone enough i've read the original series yeah. and even it's been a while since i you know it's even had to think about yeah. rebels but then i came into this book and it's it's separate enough from the original apart from uh the original main lead this is about his son and i think that does a really good job of setting itself apart because yeah. this has been enough time has passed and the son is the main focus and i really really liked what they were doing with this something very very different i think than the route that the original story went yeah the original story starts in 1775 
uh, you know, as the Revolutionary War starts. And uh, this takes place in 1794. So we have a nation that's been established. It's not yet two decades old. And we're in a time period where the United States is trying to find its way. Um, it's trying to build a government that is not just state by state by state, but a central government. Um, so we've run into characters like Alexander Hamilton, who's here speaking about the fact that the United States needs a Navy to protect its merchant ships far and abroad that, uh, especially off the Barbary Coast in Africa, are being attacked and destroyed. On top of which, we have Seth Abbott's son, John, who is a bit of a, of a savant. He's touched. We'd probably call it autism now. Right. Um, but he is obsessed with ships. Yes. With tall ships, small ships, whatever, whatever, merchant ships, man of wars, all of that, and can knows everything about them and can retain that knowledge uh, yes, without, yeah. um, you know, with, with, with ease. Right. Uh, He's even designing the, his own yeah, ship. Yeah, designing his own ship, and he memorizes the plans immediately, you know, yes. photogenic memory. And uh, for you young people, this was before airplanes, and mm -hmm. if you wanted to be a nation... Uh, in the 17 and 1800s, the Navy was the most important asset a military could have. So the British, as one of the smaller European nations, was able to expand an empire yes. all over the place because they could get there faster and they could defend it better right. against the Spanish and against the Italians and against the Germans and whoever else had a Navy because uh, the, the English had, I don't want to say perfected, but had made ships that were superior to some of these other nations and not just superior to... but i think the the naval tactics so you could say they did yeah. change the game especially for naval warfare mm -hmm. so I, I i would say perfected they had perfected they had uh they had evolved the state of well, having a navy they lost the revolutionary war though they did USA. USA. ground combat it was mm -hmm. not their uh strong stand suit. in the line the stand in the line and hey, red all, red all those all those guys are running around what and are they they're doing? hiding behind trees what the dishonor Yes. Um, so it is a it, it's 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 different than, a, you know, it's it's not necessarily a war book, um, but it's very much it, it's a book of its time. It's a book of kind of what's going on, uh, you know, as, as Seth will probably as Seth has dropped off as an apprenticeship in, in the naval shipyard. I believe, yeah, it's the Boston. It's one of the naval shipyards in Boston. Yeah. And uh, we're at a yeah, point in time where because the Navy is uh Basically, uh, it looks basically like being yeah. defeated yeah, it looks across like the globe. The United States is going to uh, throw its weight into building as many good ships as they can. Uh, so there was lots of work out there to build ships in Boston and New York uh, in the harbors that were that were deep enough to get those ships done and, and out. So, like I said, it, it, it's different than it's definitely got the same feel as the original Rebel series. Yes, and. Uh, Andrew's art is is gorgeous. gorgeous. It's super clean, but super detailed. Um, everyone, every, you know, you, it's a lot of characters that are wearing sort of the same clothes, in a way, and stuff like that. But they're still very distinct, and you're able to tell everybody apart. The backgrounds when it gets to the shipyard, just just a gorgeous uh, establishing shot there. Um, the ships look really good, as far as I can tell. They're super accurate. Uh, there's a little bit, you know, you see some of the pieces that are happening on the Barbary Coast, so you get some, some, some action shots if you want. But it's very much a story of this family and this kind of coming up. I loved Rebels a lot. I've always been a fan of of Brian Wood stuff. He um, he was able to tell really really good historical fiction that was entrenched enough in real history that uh, it makes for 
being a really, really good teacher of history, and I, history tends to be tough for a lot of people because it tends to be taught in a very dry way, and having really, really good historical fiction that's really engaging and is entrenched enough in the actual history that you can add in a fictional character and yeah. have them be a part of the events, or at least being affected by the actual events, I think is a really, really good way to teach people history. And I I appreciate it for that, not only yeah. from... from well, you know, it says it, 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 the, the kind of caveat in the beginning, Rebels is a story of historical fiction, but in some places, time and events have been compressed or altered to fit the story. Key historical figures appear in locations where perhaps they never were. While the period spirit remains unchanged, the writer assumes all responsibility for other changes. And I think that's that's the the, the nail on the head is that the right. spirit of that era of, of that time. It's not fantastical in any way. If you read the original Rebels, he's very you know he's very realistic with the guns at the time. Yes, you know you muskets that didn't go very far. Uh, if you got hit with a musket bullet, it wasn't you know instantaneous death. No, um, there were a lot of people that would have been able to survive, but also would have also been you know Mortally, horribly yeah, yeah injured and disfigured and what have you so um and the same thing here i mean that the the spirit of it of what was going on at the time in those first uh two decades you know as, as you keep going and obviously this is this is kind of the start of what led to the war of 1812 um the forgotten war uh well that in korea i guess if you really wanted to get right. technical um so the, the he he gets to kind of the beginnings of that motion so it's interesting to set it here where it's you know 15 16 years before the war actually happens but the the um the seeds have been planted in a certain way but uh, if you're a fan of that type of comic uh which i am it really really good I, I was excited to see him continue to do his rebel series um i love the first one so much uh so i'm glad to see it coming back again with a little bit you know I, I like the twist instead of just going right after right but right. finding he's a nice place to put it and also not saying well i'm just going to jump to 1812 he's, he puts it he puts it in a spot uh that's very important period in american history as we try to 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 come up with um you know kind of a unified navy military right. whatever you want to call it right so. especially because you do have a character like andrew uh, alexander hamilton who's in the book who is you know, who is a Federalist. I didn't know he was a real person. I thought he, he was real just person. a Broadway star. Uh, he, you might be disappointed if you're a young person that he does not rap uh, things like wanting the presidency no, it's to right, be it's a right four-life position. Yeah. Uh, things like uh, judgeships to be four-life positions. So you may you may be sad that he's he's not uh, busting rhymes. Bust the, bust the rhymes? Uh, all the way through this. But uh, but they do a really good he's job, hilarious. especially because he... So, you know someone's going to rewrite those pages and put dialogue on it. Sure. him like just dropping mad beats or whatever exactly and i do like that you know because he does want to tax people to fund a navy you do have sort of the divisions of look it's not fair to tax people for these kinds of expenditures and this is again very early in america's history where there's yeah. still a big divide about what the people should pay for and also what well it, it explains it very quickly in here is one of the reasons that we fought the revolutionary war at the time was to stop taxation yes uh, that you were paying taxes to support england on the other side right. of the ocean like what the hell good is yeah, that doing it, it's us? yeah the representation the of same taxation thing here. yeah you have people in if you're going to be taxed your tax dollar should go to the things that directly that with you, directly yeah. affect you and directly affect your interests and the idea of funding a navy for a government's war is not something that the people should yes. have to front money for, at least 
according to according the, according to the, the opposition of what Hamilton was 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 arguing, arguing for, for, basically right. saying what affects one of us affects all of us. Right. You know, if the state of of Carolina is under attack, the state of New York is under attack in a, in a way. Like yes, you know, it's it's something where you can't separate it. It's too small. It's too big. And you get into the philosophical discussions of what should be something that is a state's right and what is something that the federal government has purview it's over collectively. Almost like we're still talking about those exactly. things in terms of what a state can can and can't do versus and what, what a, uh, a government what... can and can't yes. do. We're here in California, and one of the things that we've been talking about is, you know, California just recently passed a a, a marijuana law. You know, allowing certain, you know, to, to certain extent, uh, for marijuana to be legal, and there could right. be a federal law that would repeal that law. But the state's saying you can't repeal our law because our, it's a state's that's rights our, issue. Yeah, it's like marriage. Marriage is, a, in, in all intents and purposes, marriage is a state issue, and yet we have a we have a national uh, edict of a marriage equality. But there are some states who are fighting against it, saying that's right. that's up to us as a state whether we want to sure. do that or not. And then the counter argument usually is, at least uh, from a perspective that I agree with, is that civil rights aren't states' rights. Exactly, issues. and that's what I'm and, and I'm not arguing for or against. Right, what right, I'm right. saying. Let me make that clear. Um, we're, we're, we are we are discussing the philosophy. Yes, there there the the opposition's philosophy, which in the case of, you know that that. That type of right, marry whoever you want, is a civil right, and therefore the civil right comes under the purview of the federal government. Yes. Um, so yeah, the 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 one thing that you shall know about history is that history repeats itself. the The names and arc the the names and what people fight for or against change, but in the end, they usually boil down to the same few arguments. Especially for the United States being one of the outliers in that we do have very independent states in a united government and i appreciate very much that they try and drive home a lot of these questions especially for readers who may not be aware of america's long history or even you know to draw parallels to show them like look just because the arguments have changed how the states deal with it versus the federal government is always something very interesting so a nice little history lesson and you know yeah. hopefully people will get some parallels out of it i like that I, again Good historical fiction, you know. I like I like history in general, but if you've got a good way to teach people history, like something like Hamilton, uh, I'm all for it because educating people is always really good. Yeah, especially if it if it, if it leads you to ask other questions. Yes. it's always fun to. You may watch the Hamilton musical. You, you may know, what was oh, right, what yeah. wasn't. You may you read. Know. Yeah, it's like oh, I love these raps. It was like Gladiator. People saw Gladiator and they're like, well, it's not exactly true. Here's right. some of the other pieces. It's like Jurassic Park. We're like. That's what a Velociraptor looks like? No! no. Well, <laughs> Not even close! Now. But back then, there was, uh, you know, learning about the different taxonomies well, the size and the is genus. Completely... Well, no, back then, there was a species of raptor that was that size, and they weren't sure how to properly classify it. But then they did come up with a classification. Well, it, it, it all comes down to the fact that when, uh, when but Michael they... Crichton first wrote the book, yes. he knew that the size he was coming up with was much closer to the North American Dionychus, and yes. he did not want to write it over and over again. So he chose the name Velociraptor yes. instead. And in the book, they're actually a little bit smaller than they are in the movie. Yes. They're about mid-size, between what a Velociraptor really is, which comes up about to your hip yeah, on a grown... Feet. Yeah, about on a grown... Uh, a grown it's about four feet at the hips. If, if, you know, so it's about, yeah, the two foot, maybe three foot yeah. at the most. The one And the nose is a lot longer. You know, the, the snout is a lot longer on a Velociraptor than what you see in, in the movie. The movie is much closer to what we would have as a Dionychus, and then you have a Utah Raptor, which is a little bit bigger than even that. But the Dionychus is kind of what was there—that bullpup, bullpup type of nose, 
the size, you know, to be able to look a man straight in the eye. Yeah. That would yeah. be that that kind of creature. It was just kind of. Oh, I did appreciate it. Even when he wrote it for the book, when he stretched the size, he stretched the size by maybe six or seven inches. And that was enough to enough yeah. to jump a man in the torso and be frightening versus in the movie where they're making yeah, them they six to, feet they have tall. To make them, they have to make them a little bit bigger for that thing. And of course, the Dilophosaur is completely wrong unless it is a very, very, very it's small a, child. Very, yeah, it is a... It, and, we, and a lot of the other outside and unlikely fiction. to have a friend the, the uh, frill the frill yeah and then the other yeah, the other fiction you know picks up on that sort of thing but where they've said like oh they are young to there's been enough people that look at something like jurassic park look at something like hamilton look at something like gladiator that get them interested enough to know what's sure. true and what isn't you know I've, I've i've done this for 25 years of people asking me about the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, like what's accurate and what isn't, and that sort of thing. Yeah. So. Although I, I I do draw a line when the fiction becomes so crazy, when the fiction becomes starts to supersede history, which tended to be my big problem with Jurassic World is that it has been twenty years. I think we can update the science and have an out within the story, but of course they're like, no, 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 we gotta we gotta keep continuity with the other movies. And it, well, they have an out in the story, as he tells them. It's, yeah, it's, they're all manipulated. They're sure. all genetically manipulated anyway. So. Sure. But uh, he wanted the, I guess the the big boss wanted them to look like the dinosaurs from the first movie and yeah. not manipulate them to look like the dinosaurs as they should look like. Yeah. Well, which is still, uh, which is still like a bizarre, like, Oh, but it's okay. It's okay. People, uh, people it, want reptiles. It's okay. BD Wong. Oh, poor, poor BD Wong. Yeah. You're all right. Turns into the crazy man. Yeah. For some reason, for some reason, for some reason, uh, let's, now that we've talked about that for 40 minutes, uh, let's move on. We have Iron Fist number one. Yeah. Ed Brisson is the writer. Mike Perkins is the artist. I wonder why I have, this Yeah, came I don't out. know why this came out. Something maybe. I've heard, like, there was a series or something they were doing at some point. That some point could be now. Uh, a few days ago. A few days yeah. ago. You may have heard on the internet that it was out. Very roller coaster Very, a roller coaster of emotions roller, the glass case of emotion exactly yeah. it was interesting to see that the uh professional reviewers the bloggers they hated it uh but uh the users which was interesting enough because i went on the to twitter users. after watching like the first episode and seeing thousands and thousands of tweets going so where was the racism and uh oh it's there come on sure sure i i, I think i to to paraphrase, I basically said that I went in expecting to see Charlie Chan and got a competent show that was very very much entrenched in the martial arts film genres, yeah. and it wasn't great, but uh, it was solid enough that I went okay. And there were some people on Twitter talking about, you know, oh they went with Iron Fist because uh, he was more popular than Shang Chi, you know, especially when he came out. It's like. Kung? I saw with even Rob Liefeld tweeted like Shang Chi had over a hundred issues consecutively. Iron Fist yeah. was canceled after sixteen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they had to put him with Luke Cage to make make him popular. Make him popular in some way. And uh, I would not be opposed to Shang Chi getting a show. I think Shang. I, I, I the only reason I would say that they didn't do Shang Chi is because so much of it would not be in New York. Right. You know, Danny's based in New York from yeah. the start. Not. I haven't been able to see it. So, but. You to do Defenders with Shang Chi, I think, would be so much different than doing Defenders with Danny. Oh yes, Danny yeah, Rand. oh absolutely. So, but there are so many avenues you can. take I think once with you get Netflix. past the Defenders, especially since they're doing Punisher, yeah, you show like Punishers. I'd be surprised to see anything from any of the other shows really get into a Punisher show. Exactly, you could do the same thing with Shang Chi. I think that's somebody that in the background 
could could definitely be a, a good series to oh yeah do. i don't doubt that at all especially since the the projected release dates especially for this year was we've got uh in the middle of the year we have the defenders where everyone's coming back uh together and then punisher right after that and after the reaction, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they do a, a version of the Fearless Defenders. Yeah. So the book they yeah. did a couple of years ago with Misty Knight with a team of female superheroes that include oh, yeah. Colleen Wing. Yeah, I and that would be really, really Because that seems too. to be like Misty Knight was exploded out of Luke Cage yeah. and people were loving it. And then the same thing here. You know, the up and down reviews for the show as a whole, one of the constants that I seem to be seeing is that, uh, um, um, oh my goodness, Colleen Wing is yeah, just fantastic. So. And, and that's really, here's the thing. I'm going to say it. Everyone in the show did a pretty damn good job with yeah. with the material that was provided to them, especially because I'm not going to say that the show didn't have like pacing problems, but I think the actors themselves did a really good job. And even Danny being more on the end of sort of this season being him getting over everything that happened to him. Yeah. I'm, I'm digging it. I'm digging so in it. a way, I mean, especially since you've seen it, Iron Fist number one, even with me not seeing it, seems to kind of put itself in that same uh, tone, I want to say. We have Danny, who is... He's trying to find himself. Yeah, he's not really the Iron Fist. Uh, it's definitely not the same character that we've been seeing in Power Man and Iron Fist over the last year right. in, in terms of the comics. Or in even the Kari Andrews Iron Fist series yeah. that just finished up a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, I think the Kari Andrews... Uh, that, this is almost like an Elseworlds, it feels like, in some degree. It was sort of like, was, Car Andrews just do Iron Fist and go for sure, it. Sure, but I, I, it sort of felt like a, a bit of a Dark Knight Returns Iron Fist. Yeah, because it was very different than the way that uh, Matt Fraction and um, Ed, Ed Brubaker, Brubaker did, theirs, yeah. did theirs a couple of years ago on the Immortal Iron Fist, where they really changed the mythos of the Iron oh, yeah. Fist itself. And you're going to see a lot of the Ed Brubaker, uh, Matt Fraction, and Kari Andrews runs on Iron Fist in the Iron Fist series. Yeah. And this... Uh, while not explicitly mentioning a lot of what went on in the previous series, there, there there's still things to be unfolded from this version yeah. of Iron Fist. So we have Danny kind of traveling from place to place, country to country, putting himself in these tournaments, saying that he wants to be pushed. He wants to, you know, he, he needs something that 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 gets him to the edge, something that's worthy of of uh, his skills. We see him in a hotel room. It looks like he can't really use the the power anymore you know right. the iron fist isn't there he's got a little bit of a charge and kind of saying he just hasn't it. had the challenge that would require him to use it so i kind of i got the feeling that what he's pushing himself towards and he doesn't he doesn't even really know what he's doing but part of it is he's not worthy to use the the power of the iron fist because he's not facing worthy opponents there's nothing out there right. for him at the moment that which would allow is, which him to definitely use it. is a classic martial arts trope yeah this is this is so just straightforward you know kung fu martial arts piece yeah. because we're, we're getting towards a point we're going to kind of spoil the ending to a certain degree but he meets somebody uh that's able to, to challenge him to a certain point but basically says you know we keep going you're going to defeat me but i'm inviting you to participate in a tournament and that's where we end yes um i kind of wish they had started there with yeah. the idea that yes. he was arriving there and then use this as a back uh 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 flashback yes to how he got to that flash to get got to that point i think if they had framed that a little bit better we kind of knew where we were going because the tournament uh, looks like it's going to be most of the 
the issues that we we have we, here. we see and again like in classic martial arts faction he's got to fight his way to the top yeah fight his way to the top uh, i immediately was uh, i'm a fan of the classic mortal kombat games and immediately mortal was like kombat. it's like he's going to mortal kombat yeah he's going to he's, he's going, going to, to go to mortal kombat where's where's um where's raiden what was it what was uh shao Kahn. was it yeah. shao Kahn? yeah shao Kahn? who was who was the bad guy who was who, who had the turn shang soon shang soon that's what it was the the brilliant sequel. Shao Kahn was one. Of, oh my god! Mortal Kombat Annihilation. There are not two movies that are farther apart than Mortal Kombat, which isn't that great, right? But at least like it's produced well enough. And Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which makes Dragon Ball look like it is done in a Hollywood studio. Do Mortal Kombat again, dollars. but cut your budget by ninety percent at least, if not ninety five, and nobody comes back. When you can't even um, when you can't even get Highlander back. To be Raiden, yeah. but you need to get Dexter's dad from the TV show right. Dexter to be Raiden. You know your budget's been slashed. Uh, there's a couple things I really like with this one. The the letters page is called Everybody Was Kung Fu Writing, Ooh. which strong. Yes, I, really I love, love that it. pun. And I love Mike Perkins' art. Um, the one joke they resisted in the show. <laughs> there was no kung fu fighting music. Nothing. Everybody was kung fu. But then again, I'm sure that would have set off like Neil Patel at The Verge. Uh, well, it's a funny thing is in that same those, that we were talking about in Twitter that that same um, kind of thread through, and a lot of comics professionals were 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 jumping in on it about you know why not make this Shang Chi and you know Iron Fist was never wasn't as popular before and all this stuff and Brian Michael Bendis brought him back for New Avengers and his love of Luke Cage brought Danny Randall on that but so I'd mentioned um, I think it was it was either everybody uh, yeah everybody was kung fu fighting not written by an Asian. No, written by a white guy. Uh, so it's like, ooh, look out, you know that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of this specifically, and performed by an African American. Yeah, uh, I always love that song. I'm, I'm not gonna. It's a fun I'm song. For it. Yeah, it's a fun song. It's not anything, you know. Uh, but here, it's it, it's definitely an introduction issue. It almost feels like a zero issue. It does to a it certain does degree. Like a zero um, we're going forward. I, I'm loving Mike Perkins' arts. I like Ed Brisson too. Ed Brisson said some stuff that I've liked. But you know, art's, art's awesome. Yeah, Perkins is 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 in that, you know, Michael Crike, Michael Clark, excuse me, uh, Steve Epting, hard gritty, lots of blacks, lots of shadows, um, some photo backgrounds that are kind of you know uh, then redone. Um, the art moves that the fighting sequences are, are are well done. He's got a good sense of movement, a good sense of fighting. Uh, you're able to follow everybody through. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, you get a feel for where he's at. He's downtrodden fight clubs and tournaments and stuff like that. You know, the, the bare, fu- bare knuckle brawls. Oh, yeah. Uh, and gamblers, it's a, havens, yeah, it's a like really that. cool scene, too, where he, you know, drops the bag of money. And he's like, I want to fight. All right, pick your fighter. All of them. All of them. Let's go. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's again, it's a good start. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a synergy piece. I mean, why wouldn't you have Iron Fist come out the week sure. after Iron Fist? Uh, still waiting. Up. But yeah, still it's definitely... I'm hoping season twos of Luke Cage and uh, Iron Fist are just not done as separate seasons for those shows, but then just done as Heroes for Hire with the two of them. That'd be interesting. And, and not knowing where those two actually right. end. But that, that could definitely be something. I mean, obviously, they come in an ending where they can move on to the, into the Defender show yes. that they're doing. Hopefully, the end of the Defender show is, is them doing Heroes for Hire. And maybe you have Misty and Colleen in that as well. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Done before, for sure. So. I, yeah, it definitely feels like, like you said, for synergy, instead of doing yeah. Luke Cage Season 2 and Iron Fist Season 2, you just do Heroes for Hire. Yeah, and they've kind of had that. You've kind of seen it with the movies where yeah. Yeah. 
Captain America 3. It's not Captain America 3. Right. It's, hey, we've got a bunch Avengers. of characters where we're going. It's not even Avengers. It's like, we've got a bunch of characters where we're going. Yeah. So let's do this next story that happens to involve all these different characters. Um, you know, to 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 use characters. You had that with Winter Soldier, too, where you have a character in Black Widow who's not in the first one at all, who has a decent role in the Avengers, but not. she's a huge part of that, that whole um, uh, movie. So they've kind of gotten to the point in their movie verse where random people from other franchises within the movie verse have been able to kind of come in and, yeah, and do yeah, whatever. Pop in, pop out. And I think you can see the same thing in Netflix very, very easily. I mean, oh, yeah. You do a second season of Luke Cage, there's no reason that you wouldn't have the Punisher show up. You know, yeah, He could, yeah. he couldn't. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter. And Iron Fist, same thing. Jessica Jones. I mean, Jessica Jones' case could be someone with it. So... Uh, for our last book, we saved the last one in the alphabet, too. Uh, Valiant Comics, Exo Man of War, issue number one, written by Matt Kint, and it's Tomas Giorello. Is it G- yeah, it's Giorello. Uh, Giorello did Conan for Dark Horse for a long time. It looks like I a Conan book. I love his art. I absolutely love his art. He was great for Conan. I think he, it works really well here. Um, Matt Kint has written a lot of different stories for Valiant. He's kind of re rebuilt their universe to a certain degree and this is his latest effort exo man of war has gone through a lot of different incarnations with valiant um and this is just like a new a new take for it it's it's he's kind of an iron man-ish character he's got this kind of alien suit. suit yeah power suit if you want he is from earth he's living on another planet in which there is a war going on um it looks like really more of a rebellion he's living with this uh this beautiful blue skinned tailed woman um, but he's living a life of peace, but of course, it's not much of a book if he just sits there and keeps farming. So he gets uh, conscripted. conscripted, yeah, into this war and attacking the Emperor's Palace. And from there, it's just a big fight scene, and it looks yeah. awesome. It, yeah, it's it, immediately I turned the page like, man, this looks like a Conan book. And then I realized it was the artist who was doing Conan. Yeah, he did Conan. Yeah, well, he did. Uh, he did. Carrie uh, Nord started it with um, uh, with Kurt Busiek when they were kind of readapting some of Robert Howard's stories. And then from there, they kind of went into some of them were adaptations, some of them were brand new. And Thomas uh, Giarella ste- stepped in to kind of do a lot of the art for it. So yeah, it's definitely he has a very distinct style. It's it's a kind of pastel painting type. Um, I'd like to see uh, work on Red Sonia as well. Yeah, Oof, that'd be great. Especially get Red Sonia out of the modern. Thing. I don't like the new take on Red Sonia. They have her in modern New York. And like, yeah, eh. it's really weird. They've tried some of that before. I remember Marvel did this weird crossover. With there's Red a great Sonya. there's a, yeah there's a great the Spider-Man Red Sonia crossover because it's only two issues of Red Sonia getting pulled into New York right it's fascinating for two issues and they did it with Conan at one point there's a what if you know like what yeah. if Conan lived today sort of thing and it's just like him on the streets cutting taxi cabs in half or yeah whatever. exactly and it's fun for a couple issues yeah but when you go beyond the Red Sonia one is a little is a is a little different she's trying to you know I, I think she's like finding the, the the artifacts and the mystic pieces from our from her past the arcanian stuff right like that, which which that is something using. that it sounds like they pulled right because in that marvel the spider-man red sonia was mary jane found red sonia sword and yeah and it transferred like the consciousness of yeah. red sonia to the present day um as as a, a war book I've, I've read some exo here and there i couldn't say and it was super memorable to the choice that i'm still you know like oh yeah i know yeah, i read always, the early you and me, we stuff. always enjoyed like archer and armstrong a little bit more <laughs> yeah something like archer and armstrong or quantum and woody yeah you know i've had my my pieces in the different value with the newest one especially eternal warrior was fantastic oh yeah yeah it was really really good their archer and armstrong the new stuff is good even the bloodshot stuff's good um 
so it's not like they're not doing quality work. It's just something that kind of comes in and out. Uh, but I really, and again, a lot of it because of Thomas Jarello's art. This is awesome. Oh yeah, the book the book is uh, very very simple in story. He's, yeah, you're not the dialogue yeah. is well done. Oh yeah, the the old man is basically he's conscripted as a cannon fodder soldier. They're not given weapons. They're expected to attack this palace. Yeah, on this you know a, a cliff a cliff that's almost a mile high. A very Zap Brannigan. Yeah, from Futurama. You <laughs> send wave after wave of men until they run out of bullets. Until they and run out their, of bullets and then their we, kill count. Um, so the dialogue is is he's kind of speaking and then you see the actions of them coming up is really well done uh th them coming up the wall the 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 the, the swords giant and the, monsters the, the, with the, the monsters laser with lasers and the mode of death with fishy things in it and and then this the palace is gorgeous that they're hitting so it's definitely um it's something again, like it, I never, it's an action-packed book. No, the, it definitely is. Yeah, the back and, half and of this book way. is is all action. Yeah, with I'm hoping just that internal that monologue. You're gonna call it Man of War. Let's have some, some war, war yeah. okay? Um, and and Matt Kind has done a, a large number of just books from all these different types genres. of genres and stuff. We talked oh, about Brian. You know, so Brian good. Wood for me is one of those guys. No matter what he's writing, and he wrote Star Wars really well. He can yep. write independent really well. He wrote uh, DMZ. Books that are completely in different stratospheres, yeah, but able to bring, years. yeah, Northlanders, uh, but able to bring a sense of of quality to each. Yeah, Matt Kind's kind of the same thing. Yeah. He can do a very weird independent book that's really going to hit you, and he can do Exo Man of War, which is hey, let's climb the hills and try and yeah. kill somebody. Um, it's a, half this book is just the siege of yeah. a castle, and it's just really, really good. It's really, really well paced. The art is gorgeous, awesome. Yeah, really, really, really good stuff. So, you know, without even saying much more of it, that's that's my pick. That, that's personally yeah, the, it's awesome. the best one. That it's, Iron Fist was really, really fun. Iron Fist Rebels was, a lot of fun was really too. good. Rebels is good. And then you like Under Winter, Winter, Winter is, is weird, but good. And, and yeah, good in a weird way or yeah. weirdly good or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so. no, it's a fun week. Definitely Those are our books week. from this week. Excited to see what the uh, invoice will look like for next week because it's the end of the quarter. Oh, and boy. we've had three small weeks. Which makes me think that DC like and Marvel are just books. going to flood the market with books. So, ten uh, ten books per yeah. company. Real quick, election number two came. Electra number two came out this week too, and it's oh, actually really nice. really good. Um, again, a book that uh, we both like. Number one, and we're hoping to to go forward. And it definitely still has that quality to it. Hulk is out as well. Oh, I would really, do want really to read good. Hulk. Yes, it's just fantastic. Uh, I think that's gonna do it. We're we're past our bedtime already. Um, for my partner Sebastian, this is Chris, and we will talk to you next week. Oh my God.